going to go through some of this. We're going to look at it because we want to figure out what do people of faith look like. Now, my first thought was, what do people of faith look like? They're usually about five foot seven, kind of a stocky build, a little gray in their beard. I mean, that was my first thought, but then I thought, well, that's really not true, is it? But, but really, they are short, and they're tall, and they've got black hair, they've got gray hair. People of faith can be anybody, big name, little name. It's really what their life looks like. It's not what they look like, it's what their life looks like. And so Hebrews chapter 11, we have the heroes of the faith. And there's names like Noah. We've heard of Noah. He did something like build a big boat. We've heard of Abraham. We've heard of Isaac. We've heard of Jacob and Joseph. Moses, King David, right? He killed a a giant. We all know David, most famous story of all time. And these are big stories of faith. And, And these are big moments. These are big names, big personalities. Yet what's interesting is so often the stories of faith that happen day in and day out are not big stories, not done by big personalities. In fact, there's a lot of people throughout history that we know nothing about that are people of faith. When I think of just the Old Testament, because this is looking back at the Old Testament, think of all the people that their stories were never written down. Think of all the stories that were forgotten. All these, these little stories that didn't make it onto paper of people that acted in faith. They had amazing faith stories, but we never hear their faith stories. But it doesn't make them any less faithful, right? And so, honestly, well, we like big faith stories, don't we? We like big numbers. We like big personalities because it sells more. It's better to tell in church because then people go, yeah. But what about all those little faith stories? Even Jesus mentions a woman without a name. And you can just imagine Jesus and his disciples sitting there. They're in the temple. And there's nothing being said. They're just watching. And as they're watching, they're watching all these men that are very wealthy walk up to the front of the temple and give their tithe to God. And so what happened in those days is they had copper or tin buckets at the front of the church, and you'd walk up with your coins and you would dump them into the tin buckets. And you can imagine how loud that is. Even if you dropped one penny in, you would hear it, right? But if you're rich and you're giving a lot to the church, you would well, a lot more proud, right? Because you would walk up and you would pour your money in there. Could you imagine the sound of lots of coins falling in there? And so this is what they're watching. They're watching all these, these rich men dump all their money in. And in the midst of these wealthy men, here comes this woman. And she has two itty-bitty coins. We know nothing about her. We don't know her name. We don't know where she came from. We don't know what happened to her afterwards. All we know is she walked up and she dropped her two coins in. You can imagine it was probably pretty embarrassing. The person in front of you went, then you go, tink, tink, and you go sit down. They're watching this happen. And, And here's what Jesus says to his disciples after they see it. He says, he also saw a poor widow put two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, 
But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And so Jesus is literally telling his disciples that this little tiny gift was more than the big gifts. And so this lady drops in two pennies. The guy behind her drops in thousands of dollars. Who gave more, according to Jesus, this small gift of faith? You see the men that are dumping all those coins in? They're going to leave that afternoon and they can still go out to lunch with their friends, with their family. Their, their finances aren't affected. That woman, as Jesus said, gave everything she had. So when she left the church service, she couldn't go out to eat. She had this faith that if she gave her money to God, that he would provide. She had a complete trust and confidence. Now, in our earthly standards, those two pennies make no difference in the church. But in God's kingdom... It's tracked differently, and it made a gigantic impact. And, and, and that is faith. I, I once knew a guy that, well, he had lots of money. Really good guy. Don't, don't get me wrong. He was really good guy. And he had his name on so many things, I could not even begin to tell you all the things. Uh, buildings at the local college had his name on them. Plaques on the wall. His local church he was the pastor's best friend. And he also had plaques all over the church because he gave here and he gave there. And it's great. Those are good things. But I was playing golf with him one time. And we're playing and at each tee box, there's a, a bucket full of sodas and water. And you would stop and get whatever you wanted, you know, before you teed off. And as we got to the end of the round in this tournament, there was no more water. There's no more sodas. And he was very angry. And several times he said, I give this tournament enough money. Surely they can put soda and water in these buckets. And he said that several times just to remind us, I'm assuming, that he gave lots of money for this tournament, which is fine. It's great. And, and we want that, Right. But the funny thing is, when it becomes about you, there's no faith in that. Because I think of those buildings that have his name very big on them. Other people gave money for those. There's some people gave $50. Some gave $250. Some gave maybe $500. And I think, well, what about that person that gave $50 and yet they couldn't Maybe go out to eat that whole month because they gave $50 to go towards this building. They have no name on the building. They have no plaque. They gave $50. Now, in our economy, in our world, yeah, they just gave $50. No big deal. But in God's economy, they gave more than the man with his name on the building. You see, so often we, we think about faith. But if faith or your acts are about you, it's not faith. Because that's the opposite of what faith is. It, it, Jesus compares faith to something very small. Listen to this, what Jesus says in Matthew 13. He told them a parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is small and of all the seeds, yet... <clears throat> When it grows, it's the biggest of garden plants, it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. And so you can imagine this mustard seed. I think there's a picture of a mustard seed up there. It is so tiny. Look at that. 
Look how small that mustard seed is. And then when that mustard seed grows, it turns into this. Oh, wait, that's not it. The next one, Jackson. That was a joke, in case you're wondering. But it turns into this, this tree. I mean, it's really pretty amazing, right? I mean, this little tiny seed. Now, this is Jesus. This is the Son of God telling this story about faith. And he's talking about this little tiny seed. And it's amazing when these little tiny acts of faith can explode. Uh, Think about the young man standing at the CU at the pole by himself. All he did is he stopped for a few moments and he prayed by himself and thousands of people noticed. And one of the things he prayed in that is that people would have faith because of what he's doing. What an amazing thing to pray. You know, last week we talked about the feeding of 5,000. And the disciples, they were scared, right? They wanted to send everyone home. Because the crowd's going to get angry and we can't feed them. And Jesus says, well, you feed them. And they, oh, we can't feed them. And then there's only one gospel that mentions it. It's John. And again, no name. One of the disciples says, oh, look, here's a boy. And he has a lunch. He has five loaves of bread and two fish. But what can that do for us? And then I think about that, and I don't know exactly what happened. I can make up all kinds of stuff in my mind. I, well, one of the best things I think of is his mom packed his lunch for him that day, right? And, and that's all he's got to eat all day. And here he is listening to the disciples argue about who's going to feed these people. And this boy, with no name, walks up and hands the disciples his lunch. Here, you can have my lunch. You, you can take this. And there is no way that that bread and that fish and that lunch can feed 5,000 people. Think about the act of faith it took for that boy to give up what was his. That was his meal. He gives it up. And what does it do? What does that little mustard seed turn into? It turns into this gigantic event where over 5,000 people are fed and satisfied and people are left over because one boy that doesn't even have a name, that we don't know who he is in history. All we know is that he gave his lunch. And boom, look what happens. (laughs) You go to the Old Testament and there's all these profound moments in time, right? One of them is, is Jericho. You know the story of Jericho, right? The Israelite armies, they go in and they march around Jericho for six days. And on the seventh day, they march around Jericho seven times. And the walls fall down and they defeat Jericho. But what's interesting, when you read through Hebrews chapter 11, Joshua, the commander of the the troops, is not mentioned as a hero of the faith. The soldiers are kind of mentioned, but not really. Do you know who's mentioned? A prostitute. A prostitute. Here's what it says. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. You see, when the spies went in to to look at Jericho, Rahab was there. She's a prostitute. She welcomes them in and doesn't tell anyone who they are and helps them escape. That's a pretty small detail, right? Right? Is that really a big deal? I mean, 
it's kind of questionable if you ask me. The prostitute brings the soldiers in to, during, during this time and, and then she helps them escape. And yet here she is listed as someone of faith. Why? Because she didn't give them away. She didn't give away the secrets. And then they were able to destroy Jericho. But here's the amazing thing about Rahab. She's in the line of Jesus. Rahab didn't do one miracle. She didn't raise anyone from the dead. She didn't turn water into wine. She didn't do anything. She just hid two spies. And she ends up being in the lineage of Jesus. She wasn't even an Israelite. She was a foreign prostitute who did one small thing as long as we know in history here and look at the impact that she had. So what do people of faith look like? What do they act like? Well, I think people of faith understand and believe that God is bigger and stronger and smarter than they are. They believe that God is bigger. Number two, people of faith know that it's not about them. If you're doing an act that you call an act of faith and it's all about you, that's not faith. Number three, they're not looking for accolades. They're not looking for glory. They're not looking for their name on the side of a building. And again, that's nothing wrong with that. But that's not the purpose. Number four, people of faith know that this world is temporary. This is just a place we're passing through. I read a book several years ago. It's called Boys in the Boat. And in that book, you have this, this crew team, you know, the, the rowers. It was an eight-man crew team. They're from the University of Washington. And they competed in the 1936 Olympics. And it's an amazing story because you, you read about the camaraderie of this team and then the actual event of the Olympics. Here they go into the Olympics in 1936 in front of Hitler and they win the gold medal in front of Hitler and the Germany team. It's this amazing story and these guys were so tight. But in this book... I find this so amazing. In the middle of this book, it's talking about these guys and their lives, and it's this amazing story. And then in the middle of it, it starts talking about the boat. The boat. I mean, the boat's just a piece of wood, right? It, but back then, they probably weren't fabricated and all that stuff. In fact, someone had to build that boat. And it started talking about the man that built the boat. And, and the man that built the boat built boats his whole life. His dad built boats. Then he started building boats, and he built the boat that they used in the Olympics to win the gold medal. And you go, really, is that a big deal? Does it really matter about the boat? <laughs> well, in the book, the man that built the boat, his name was George Pocock, and he said this about how he built boats. He said, I leave a little of me in every boat. So every boat that he builds, he builds to the very best of his ability. And what was amazing, this man that built the boat, he didn't just sell them the boat, he wanted to know what happened to the boat. He wanted to know where it was going. And he knew the whole story because he left just a little of him in that boat. And you see, people of faith, they do the right thing even if it's this big. Even if it's the small things. You do the right things, even if it seems unnoticed, even if it seems inconsequential and small. People of mentions all right thing. 
Hebrews chapter 11 goes through and it mentions all these big names and all these big stories. And I just want to read to you as it gets towards the end of chapter 11. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By these, people were over, people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Now you stop right there and you go, yes, I want to be a person of faith. <laughs> That's what I, I want to win battles, right? I, I want to I win. I want people to notice me. I want to be the conqueror. And, and you read through that and you go, yes. Man, when someone has just faith as small as a mustard seed, look what happens. But that's not always the case, right? And so now you continue to read through Hebrews chapter 11 and it says, but others, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute, oppressed, mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And now you go, time out. <laughs> That's not what I want. But here's what it says. All these people, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. <laughs> Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So that they would not reach perfection without us. See, what he's saying is this world's temporary. And sometimes your act of faith is not going to be responded to well. The boy that stood at the, at the flagpole, you know what? He could have been made fun of. He could have been ridiculed. He could have had all these things. That, that, the point wasn't that he got praised. The point was is that he did what was right in the moment. See, people of faith just do what is right. No matter how small, no matter the consequences, you just do what's right. You know, these people of faith, as you skip to Hebrews chapter 12, they're encouraging us. And, and so you read all the way through Hebrews chapter 11, you have all these names, all these big stories, all these little stories, all these, these things that happen, these horrible things that happen to people, death. And, and then you get to chapter 12. And it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. You see, all those people are cheering us on. I, whenever I think about that, I think, man, think of all the people I've known that are men and women of faith that did the right things at the right times. And all of them are cheering us on. They're the cheering crowd of witnesses. Yeah, David and Abraham and Noah and all of them, but, man, my granddad, my Grammy, 
They're in the crowd. They're cheering us on. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiated and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. I I read a really short story about a missionary. I don't even know if it's 100% true, but it was in a book, so I guess it must be. (laughs) This missionary decided he was going to go to the South Pacific, and he was going to minister. He was going to go, and he was going to bring the light of Jesus to this little island in the South Pacific. The only problem was every missionary before him that had gone to the island had been killed by the people on the island. They were headhunters. He knew that he could die. He gets in his boat by himself, says goodbye to his family, packs up everything he has, and he heads to the South Pacific and shows up on that island. We don't know anything that happened to him. Uh, All that we have is in the middle of the town was a gravestone with his name on it. And on the gravestone it said, When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. There was no fanfare. We don't celebrate them in our history books. But this little island of people, they celebrate them. Why? Because he brought the love of Jesus to their island. He came to a place of darkness and now there's light. He came as this little tiny mustard seed. And look what God did. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for these stories. We thank you for these people that have lived before us, that have lived out faith in a way that is inspiring and hopeful. And my prayer is that we would just be people of faith. That we would believe in you. That we'd believe in your son Jesus. And that you would help us to do what is right simply because it is. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in your name. Amen.